Come on now, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? You gotta make a little bit of noise. Good to see you guys. Man, thank you so much for coming out. It may be cold outside, but it's hot up in here, you know. God is up to something, some crazy things at Barrel Life Church. We'll welcome everybody watching online as well. We want to welcome our Grayson campus. Part of our Grayson campus showed up today. Their building uh, doesn't have the HVACs working properly, so we didn't want them to freeze, and so we just invited some to come and hang out with us. But we'll be back on regular schedule next week. Two services right here, making room for your friends and your families to be here, be part of this. Listen, real quick, as Adam just said, marriage night tonight, you don't want to miss it. Uh, we're doing some wedding renewal vows. We're going to renew our vows. If you ever wanted to do that as a married couple, whether you've been married for a year or been married 50 years, we'd love for you to be part of that. I told my little girl today uh, on the way to church, I told her, I said, honey, tonight me and mom is going our vows. She says, well, what are vows? I said, well, vows is when you make a commitment to each other. You know, most people think marriage is a contract. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. That a preach. That's another whole, you saved time. And I said, so we make these vows. She goes, what's a vow? I said, I commit my life to my wife. She goes, so you're getting married. I said, we're actually getting re kind of married. She goes, does that mean you're going to have more babies? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll try. But anyway, uh, uh, and so I was like, no, but like, you know, at least she knows, right? Wait till you get married. And uh, I was like, so we're, we're going to do that tonight. And she's like, okay. And she said, can I dress up? I said, okay, we'll we talk about that later. But anyway, tonight's marriage night. It's about an hour long. You don't want to miss it. We've got we're newer vows. I've got a message I want to share with you. Got a few games we're going to play. It's going to be fun. So if you are married, it's not too late to jump in and be part of that. College students, don't want to miss Wednesday. And then parents, real quick, youth night coming up. I'll be preaching youth night and college night back to back super excited. Two different messages, but I'm really excited what the Lord has, uh, what he has for our students and student ministries. But parents, I'm inviting you to come out and to be part of that. Bring your student with you, because I want to speak to you and share with you where we're heading as a church and direction of our student ministry, which I'm super, super excited about. But today, part two of our series called uh, Relationship Goals. Last week, we talked about real love. If you, think, if you think you know what real love is, I wanna encourage you to go back and watch last week as we talked about what does it mean to really love people, not just your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, but how do you show love to the people around you? Today, I'm gonna talk about the real you. That's right, the real you. You know, all of us believe lies. In fact, as Christians, the only power that the enemy has over us as believers and followers of Jesus is lies. The, the, the devil can't possess me. He can't make me sin because if the devil could make us sin or make us do something, then we're all in trouble. So what does he do? He lies to us. The problem is we believe those lies. That's been his tactic from day one. If you remember back even in the garden when he, he deceived Eve, and he would say, did God really say you, you would die if you did that? He's already speaking deceit and lies into your life. In fact, he started that very early in your life. He would speak these lies into you that would eventually be how you're parenting and, you're, and how, you're, how, how, how people raise you and your environment. And we could go on and on and on and how God has wired you, begin to shape who you are today. But all of us have been somehow shaped with some of the lies that we have believed. And they probably started when we were really young. No, this is not a counseling session per se. But if we went back and probably into those formative years of your life, you would realize that these are some of the lies that you begin to believe that shaped who you are today and some of you don't like who you are today and you want to blame your spouse, you want to blame your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your coach, if my professor just believed in me, if I just had the right friends and community in my life and all those play a very important role in our life that shapes us but most of us are shaped by what 
we believe about ourselves. And let me tell you something about beliefs. They're either a lie or they're true. And so many times people don't know the difference between what's a lie and what's truth. How do I know if I'm believing a lie? What's my believing truth? How do I know if this is the real me? Or how do I become the real me? Because if you think about it, a lot of times we can't be the real us around certain people. We always, we, we, we wanna be a different person around a different group of friends or different colleagues or at work versus at home or at church versus where you go to a ball game. And I see how y'all lose your mind at ball games, y'all. I'm just saying, I've been there, I watch you in the stands, right? And so you're like, how do you become just you? How do you just be the real you? Some of the lies that we believe is one we compare ourselves that we're not good enough. Probably all of us at some point of life that think you were good enough to blank, be on the team, make the grades, get a scholarship, pass the test, get a date, right? Go to prom, get the job, be a manager, be the boss, be a parent, be a wife, be a husband. I'm just, I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. Where did that come from? Where did the thought that you will never be good enough to blank come from? We've all have been there. Every one of us have experienced that. Maybe for you, it's to conform to what other people think about me. And because of that, I have sin in my life, shame in my life, guilt in my life, consequences in my life. And when there is sin, shame, guilt, consequences, let me tell you what begins to creep into us. And that is the fear of rejection from other people. And so many people, they don't even know they struggle with this, but they have a fear what people think about them. They have a fear of rejection. What would my boss think? What does is, what is my friends think? What was my coworkers think? What would my coach think? What, what does my roommate think about me? And you think more about what they are thinking about you, which begins to shape how you behave around those people. Am I speaking to anybody today or do I'm the only one that struggles with this in my life? At some point in your life, you have struggled with this fear of what other people may think about you. Some of you don't care what people think about you, <laughs> and there's another word for that, but that we'll say that for another sermon, right? We'll talk about that down the road when we get there. Like, you don't care what anybody thinks. But from all of us, some of us, and always most of us, at some point in our lives, we were afraid of what people really kind of thought about us, and that was the fear of rejection. So my question that I want to kick off this morning is this, whose approval are you living for? Like, who are, you, who are you living for to approve you? Because honestly, it's, it's, it's the human nature deep down in every one of us. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be approved. I don't care who you are. You want that. I, don't, I mean, it starts even as a young, even my little girl, even you know, when, when your kids begin to say, Daddy, watch me, 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 Daddy, what do they want? Approve me, accept me, be with me. I mean, even from a very young age, we've wanted this from the people around. And then if you don't get it from a parent, maybe a father, you have dad issues. From a mom, you have mom issues. And those issues can go into an unbelievable amount of other issues that affect society. When there's not a mom and there's not a dad in the household and when parents, when kids are not raised with mom and dad, I mean, it affects so many things in our entire society. Not because they just want to be approved. They just want to be accepted. They just want to... Be loved. They just want your approval of them. Daddy, watch me. Think I could do it? Yeah, but I'm scared. You could do it. But They're wanting you. See, very even young, we have this approval that we are living for because we all want to be loved, valued, and appreciated. And we want that, honestly, by others. And today, if you struggle with people-pleasing, 
And if you struggle with a hint of people pleasing, man, I hope today that the Lord will set you free. This is gonna be a little bit of surface level because we can't really sit in a moment, have a counseling session for the next 26 minutes with several hundred people here and go, hey, here's how we have a counseling session one-on-one because if that was true, we would probably sit down, go back to those formative years, reevaluate where did the fear of rejection enter into your thought process, into your thinking, and then ask God to reveal what is the truth to that. But on a surface level, here's some things that you could do, and I'll, I'll get to those towards the end here. Here's some things that you could do to begin to work through if you struggle with people's approval of you, what people think about you. You see, actually, people-pleasing is the flip side of jealousy. See, jealousy says this, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. If you're jealous of someone, you're like, I want to be like them. That's why I'm jealous of them. I want to be like them. See, people-pleasing is actually different. It's I must be liked by you. Not that I must be like you. I must be liked by you. I want you to like me and I'll do whatever it takes and not even be my real self to get your approval for you to like me. Both of those will hold you back. Jealousy and people pleasing will hold you back from being everything that God wants you to be. Listen to what Proverbs 29 says. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap. It's a trap. When you begin to try to fear and, and people please, it's a trap, but trusting the Lord means safety in your life. You see, people pleasing is baited with a lie. If I could just get them to like me, then I will be happy. If I could just get them to, to, to approve me, then I will be happy. And I'm telling you what, if you live your life trying, basing your happiness on what people think about you, you will live a very miserable life. And some of you, you are there right now. It's a trap. Fearing people is a dangerous trap because it keeps you from being the real you. And come on, nobody wants to be fake, right? Nobody wants to live a fake life. We want to live a real life. So how, how, how can we do that? What are some things? Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to share a couple of things real quick, some things that people-pleasing will do. And then I'm going to share a couple of things on a surface level. How then do we begin to get out of that or move towards being healed from pleasing the people around us. Here's a couple of things real quick. People pleasing. If you're, if you're a people pleaser, it may cause you to miss God's will for your life. Did you know that? When you become a people pleaser, it will cause you, it could cause you to miss God's will for your life. God did not create you to fulfill the expectation of other people. So many people have expectations of you. And that's just life and there's no getting around it. Your parents are gonna have expectations on you. Your friends are gonna have it. Your teachers, your coaches will have it. Your roommate, your professor, your boss will have an expectation on you. Everyone, your marriage, when you get married, your spouse will have an expectation of you. Like she thought you will always put the lid down, dude. You know what I'm saying? She had that, that come on, that's just normal. You put the lid down, right? There's an expectation. But watch this, you even have an expectation of yourself. And when you don't begin to hit the limit, to hit the expectation that you think that you can hit, guess what? You begin to have a very low self-esteem because you never see yourself hitting the mark because you're not good enough. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on and on about that, but it will cause you to miss God's will because you're trying to live for other people, not for what God has planned for your life. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians. Our purpose, here it is, is to please God not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Our purpose is to please God, not the people around us. 
He alone examines the motives of our hearts, the scripture says. And when we focus on what other people want us to be, we will miss being what God wants us to be. And so many of us are trapped in this people-pleasing moment. Some of us have it worse than others, but all of us at some point in our life have struggled a little bit with what people think about us. Here's another thing people-pleasing will do. It will hinder your faith from growing. When you fear what people think about you, it will hinder your faith from going. You see, it keeps me from taking risk. It keeps me from stepping out by faith because what if they think make fun of me? What if I'm not good enough? What if I fail? What if, and if I fail, then I'll be rejected. See, fear of failure really is, is based in rejection. And rejection is really based in not knowing who you really are because you believe in a lie. And so you're afraid to fail. So if I don't step out, well, I won't take that job. I won't apply for that college. I won't ask her out or I won't start that business. I'm afraid what people may think. Or what, and all of a sudden you're afraid, therefore you step back and you miss opportunities in your life because you're afraid of what people will think about you. And we could go on and on and on with illustrations talking about that, but it will hinder your faith from growing. Listen, some of you right now, I know because I've been there. Some of you right now, you will reject Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You come to church, you've been around a little bit, God's starting to work a little bit in your life, and you realize, no, maybe this God thing's for real. Maybe this God stuff is like, you know, I'm seeing it in people's lives that truly living this out, not hypocritical about it. Maybe, just maybe, this God's thing's for real. And then all of a sudden you said, but if I give my life to Jesus and do what they're asking me to do, because you think following Jesus is all about do's and don'ts and rules and regulations, right? And when you get to that point, here's what you begin. But what will my friends think about me? I won't be able to hang out with them. I won't be able to go there. And what will my family think about me? What will my husband think? What will my wife think? What will my kids think if I give my life to Jesus? And then, man, that's going to change because now I'm going to go to church and I've always bashed church. Now I'm going to read my Bible. I, didn't, I, thought, I, didn't talk about, I can believe in the Bible. And what happens, because you fear what someone else thinks about you, it will keep you from receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I know, I've been there. Most people are going to think about me. I got to give up all my friends if I do that. Are you willing to do that? To let go? to receive Christ, even the fear of what people think about you becoming a Christian will keep you from becoming a Christian. That's why it's a trap, it's a snare. And so my question is this, who opinion matters most to you? Who opinion in your life matters the most to you? And what, whoever that is has become your God because that's who you look to for your approval. That's who you're trying to gain and win approval from, and that has become your little G God in your life. And listen, listen, we all struggle with this, but that's not, that doesn't lead us to a full life or a better life, but a miserable life. And so we're gonna walk through, how, how do I fix that? And here's something else though. When you're a people pleaser, it will cause you, and this is what I just mentioned, it will cause you to be hypocritical. And actually, when you're a people pleaser, you really become a hypocrite. And I don't mean that in a mean way to be mean to you. It's because people pleasers wear masks. Look around. We all are people pleasers. <laughs> not, not, not that kind of mask that you have on, right? We talked about this last week. To be a hypocrite means I'm two-faced. It means I have multiple masks. It's actually based on a, an actor. It's based on a play. The, uh, the actor would come out and have one mask on, and then they would take another mask off and put another on and be a totally different character. That's what a hypocrite is. We Struggle with that, right? Because tomorrow morning at work, you're gonna be one person than you were today. And then when you get home, you take your work mask off and you become 
wife, husband, parent, put that mask back on. And then all of a sudden, you, you go over to a friend's house, and you gotta put your friend's mask on and make sure everybody's shiny and make sure everything's good and, and make, sure make sure your kids are shiny. I don't know how you shine your kids, but make sure they're shiny before you go. Why? Because you're trying to put on something that you're really not really you. See, that's what it means to be a hypocrite. And so many people, let's just face it, we're hypocrites. Because we put our church face on on Sundays, our work face on on Monday, our ball game face on on Friday, and we're not the same person everywhere we go. That's why the word integrity comes from the word integer, and integer cannot be divided into, it means it has to be whole. So to be a person of integrity is to be the same person everywhere you go. You're the same person on Sunday morning as you are on Monday morning and Tuesday morning. And Wednesday. I know we have bad days. We all have bad days. But you're the same person. And watch this. When the world sees you and the love you have for each other, guess what the Bible says? They will come to know the one true God based on how we as his children, as followers of Jesus, act and behave. That's why it's important to try to be a man and a woman of integrity so that you're the same person everywhere you go, because people will see that. But when, you have people, when you're a people pleaser, you become a hypocrite. Let me show you real quick. I was 19 years old, I wasn't a Christian yet. Me and my friend, uh, his mom bought him a townhouse in Lexington, and we're living in Lexington off New Circle Road. I'm 19 years old, we're racing cars, we're clubbing, we're having what you think for a teenager, the, the top of a life for a teenager at age 19. Started a business and all this stuff, and we sold racing and stuff for cars. And one night we decided to have a party, and we threw a party, and man, everybody showed up. Everybody, I mean, you, I mean, they went room in the yard, they went room in the house. I mean, it was like house party, and everyone was drinking. And I, I never, I wasn't into drinking. I wasn't into drinking or drugs. That wasn't me. But I felt the pressure to conform, and I never remember. In fact, this was one of the turning points in my life. I, I grabbed a beer can, opened it up, went to the bathroom, and I poured it out. It was out, I put water in, rinsed the can out, and poured it back out. Kept pouring it, rinsing, and rinsing, and rinsing, and then I filled the can up with water, and I'd walk around with a can in my hand, filled with water, and would sip on it so people would think I was drinking. See, that's what people pleasing does. You're afraid of people I don't even know. I don't even know where they are that I'm trying to live my life for and please them. And some of you teenagers right now, you are trying to live your life to please people. In just a few years, you have no idea where they're going to go, and you'll never see them again. And then 20 years from later, they'll create some social media platform, and they'll say, I sat beside you in a homeroom. Do you remember me? Like, ah, no. You know, you don't remember where they come from. They'll find you on Facebook. Like, I don't even remember you. And you try your best to live in these formative years of your life to please the people around you. And then all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out who you are because you wasted four years of your life being a fake friend and a fake person just so you could be accepted, just so you can fit in, just so you can belong. I know, I've been there because I was afraid of what people thought about me and there's rejection. And that's not the life that God wants us as followers of Jesus to live, to live out. He wants us to have this abundant life, this full life, this better life than we ever, ever dreamed of. And so how do you break free from people pleasing then? How do you break free to become the real you? What are some things that you can do? Again, if this was a counseling session, it would be individually one-on-one -on -one and we would talk through, let's go back, where did this fear rejection actually begin to take root into your life? 
Because what you would find out is that the enemy began to lie to you at a very young age in your life that's now become a fortified city where you have been locked by deception and you filter your whole entire life of who you are based on what people think about you. Paul talks about this. You've been locked by a fortified city, locked by deception, and the only way to demolish that stronghold is with prayer and the truth. And without the truth, you will never be set free. But he wants to rob your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants you to live for other people's. So you will miss God's will for your life, be a hypocrite, and, and, and keep you from an experience and growing your faith the way God wants you to grow. You don't want that. So what are some things you can do? You know what the crazy thing is? Even God can't please everyone. Have you thought about that? The creator of the universe cannot please everyone. Have you been to a ball game and it's like tied and there's like one second left and someone's on the foul line? And you got, you know, fans on this side begging God for them to make it. And you got fans on this side begging God for them to miss it. Half the people are upset at God now because he didn't make the foul shot, right? As if in God's in the winning and the losses at that moment, right? You have kids, you, you have parents right now praying, dear God, get the snow off the road and get the kids back to school. And then you have kids in the bedroom going, God, I promise I'll clean my room. I'll do my dishes. I'll floss. I'll, I will floss. Like if you would just make it snow again. And someone's gonna lose, right? Even God can't please everyone. Some of you are trying to be God and try to please everyone, and you can't. Quit trying to be that way and live that life. Because listen, it's a prison. And it's not a physical, it's a mental one. And you'll be locked by deception because of that. So you have to change the way you think. That's what repentance is. Repentance is, it means to turn your mind. If you're a people pleaser, you turn your mind onto yourself because it's all about you, how you feel, what you think. You have to turn your mind to the things of Christ. And what does he say about you? So real quick, here's some quick tips. If you were sitting here real fast, you know, and we're saying, what are some things I can go begin to do to, to, you know, to get past this people pleasing? The first thing I would tell you to do is this. You need to know what God's word says about you. I need to know what God's word says about me. Why? Because this is truth. I know what the world says about me. I know what either good parenting or bad parenting has said about me. I know what my friends and bad friends says about me. I know what culture says about me. I know what everybody wants to shape me to be. And then I've got the devil after me and my flesh on me. My mind's messed up, y'all. And right somewhere in there is the truth. And sometimes, listen, the main thing, a lot of times, honestly, we don't know the truth and therefore we don't know how to get set free. What does God's word say about you, ladies? What does God say about you, guys? What does it say? Do you even know what it says? Do you know what God says about you and how he thinks towards you? Because until you grasp that and understand that, listen, you're gonna struggle with the fear of rejection of other people. Paul writes in Romans 12 this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And that's what you're here today for, right? God transform, I wanna be new, I wanna wanna be better, I wanna get better at this, transform into new. How do you do that? Watch this, by the changing of your mind, by renewing your mind, by changing the way you think. You see, Satan lies will conform us, but God's truth will transform us into the image of his son, into what he has and wants for us. And when you replace that lie with truth, the truth will what? Preach to me. The truth will what? You want to be set free? You got to know what the truth says about you. And so many people won't get into God's word and know what the truth says. 
oh, I just don't understand the Bible. It's just so, I don't know, is it even real? It's written like hundreds of years ago by old guys and you know it's just so archaic like come on like really wait to have sex before you get married how archaic is that really is that what God has for us that's what he wants me to do we can go on and on and on like that's how God wants me to live like man come on man get up this is 2000s man what are we talking about this old book I don't got time for that and you wonder why you struggle believing lies why do you think the enemy wants to keep you away from this you could read countless blogs, scroll for hours and hours on social media, living and reading everybody else's life, but you can't spend just a moment in God's word. Why do you, he wants to keep you away from this? Because he knows the truth will set you free. And he does not want you to be set free. So some of you, you need to know what God's word says about you. For some of you, you know what God says word about you, but you still kind of struggle with this. And that's because there's a second thing, you need to learn how to say no. Everybody say no. No, I said say no. <laughs> you didn't catch it. Anyway, uh, so you need to learn to say no, right? You need to tell people no. We, we're afraid to tell people no. Why am I afraid? Well, we gotta go to that party. We gotta make sure every kid is in every event. We gotta, every kid has their every sport. Everybody's gotta go to every game. Everybody has to show up here. We gotta go there and there and there and there. Why, why? Because they're our friends and what people think about us. We gotta show up, we gotta be there. And you wonder why you're stressed out, you're tired, you're anxious. Now, that may not be in the last, I don't know, nine months of your life because people really haven't really gone anywhere. But pre-COVID, that was you. Like I had a lady one time, she even told me, she goes, she goes, how do I tell my friend that I can't come to their daughter's birthday party? I said, are you serious asking me this? She says, yeah. I said, come here, come here, come here, come here, watch this. This is so profound, this is gonna set you free. She said, what? I said, Tell your friend you're not going to the party. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's that. But then she'll think bad because we're like best friends and I just, I don't have time to show up, but I, I can't get there. And she'll get upset. If she gets upset, she's not your friend. Do you see that? We got fake friends everywhere because we don't know the real us and we're fake friends to everybody else. If you could just be a real friend, you could have real relationships with people, but you can't even be the real you. And you wonder, how do I not have real good relationships? You don't even know who you are. For some of us, we just learn to say, no, I'm sorry, I just can't show up to that. I'm, I'm not gonna be able to make it. And I had the hardest time early on, even as a pastor, saying no, right? Because as a pastor, you're expected to be everywhere. You gotta show up to everything. And I was conforming to what people would thought about me because if I didn't show up or if I didn't go there. But when you know who you are, the purpose that God has for you, the vision he has for your life, that vision now becomes your decision maker. It doesn't mean you gotta be rude to people or mean to people, but you can't be all places and all things at all time. So you have to figure that out. It's just learn to begin to say no. Do you know Jesus said no a lot? Do you know just that Jesus, come on, let's go to this town and just, all these people need to be healed. Go over there and heal them. He said, no, we're going over there. Well, that's mean, no. He knew his purpose. But they need to be healed. They need somebody. That's okay. We're going over here. Jesus said no a lot. For some of you, as simple as learning to say no to everything, every invitation, everything in your life, just to say no. Because we need family time right now. You know, no, we don't need to be stressed right now. No, we're, we're not gonna go that. Not that you do it all the time, but you need to learn to say no. Here's a big one for a lot of people. is this, that you don't need anyone's approval to be happy. 
Because really this is what, one of the things you're searching for is that you just wanna be happy. And you think if they approve of you, you will be happy. But listen to me, happiness is a choice. You are as happy as you choose to be. Other people cannot rob you of your happiness unless you allow them. They can't rob you of that. That is a choice that you get to choose. Let me tell you something, people will disapprove of you. People will disrespect you. People will, will disown you. People will dispute you. They will unlike you. Watch this. They will even unfriend you. We laugh at that. But you know how many people I've talked to who are emotionally wrecked because somebody on Facebook unfriended them that they thought they were their friend? Do you know that? So you know what people pleasers do who don't wanna unfriend people? <laughs> they just don't look at them, they unlike it where they don't see their post anymore <laughs> and they stay friends. I just gotta let them know I'm still friends, but I, ain't, I don't even know what you do anymore. That's a little, that's a little tip there for you, people pleasers. I've literally had people, emotional wreck, because someone unfriended them on Facebook. We laugh about that, but that's trauma. When someone will unfriend you and you're a wreck about it, What approval, what fear of rejection are we afraid of? And so we need to unpack this in our life and understand that I just need the Lord in my life. Who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to please? Because listen to me, if you haven't got their approval yet, you never will. You know why? Because it, them, they are unpleasable. And if you're the real you and someone don't like you, listen to me, not that you're being a mean or a jerk to somebody. I'm not talking about being rude to people. I'm talking about you're just a loving, kind person and you try to live your best and to live for other people's and love people like we talked about last week and people don't like you. Listen to me, you're not broken, they are broken. You're not broken. Now the enemy will lie to you and say it's all about you. If you would just change, they will like you. Listen to me, dating couples. That's why so many girls conform into what their boyfriend and people think about because if you really love me, then you will. And you try to conform into them because you love them. So you try to be someone that you're not for them. And then you get married and you think it all, you know, you can be yourself like, who are you? This ain't the person I married. It's because you were fake. And now you've become a statistic because you think marriage is a contract, not a covenant. And you said vows that you didn't even know what they mean because you're fake. Do you see this? This is not how God wants us to live. And so here's my last point. The only person that you have to please is the Lord. Like, is God. Like, he is the one that you live for. And I'm gonna be really completely honest with you right now. If I sit here and ask everyone, do you think God is really pleased with you? It would go something like this. I mean, I don't know. I mean, some days, but man, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I did this and I just don't, I don't know, man. Like, do you really think God's pleased with you? Let's do a little quick. One of the things I sometimes do in counseling when people are struggling with fear of rejection and what other people think about them. And it's not in the Bible or you find any things. Just one thing that 
I try to help people because see is that what they perceive, their perception of God will honestly give them a perception of what people think and their outlook and even their relationships. So here's what I want you to do. If you would, just for a moment. I want you just to bow your heads and just close your eyes just for a moment. Just, just for a second. And I want you to clear your mind. And if you're watching online, I want you to be part of this too. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. Don't, please, if you're listening to this. Clear your mind just for a moment. And here's what I want you to picture. Picture right now, God looking at you. And you see his face. Whatever that may look like to you, you see his face. What would his countenance be towards you? What facial expression would you see God looking back at you? And what you see at that moment would determine how you perceive God sees you and how you perceive God sees you, you will live that out in your relationships. If you see God looking at you disappointed, how could you? Disgusted? Mad? Frowning? Because to be honest with you, that's the majority of what people say that I've personally met with. Imagine you getting up every day of your life believing God's frowning at you. How would you live that day? Imagine getting up every day of your life, getting up thinking God's mad at you. How would you live that day? Imagine getting up every day of your life believing that God is disgusted with you. How would you live your day? See, your perception of him plays a major role in your life. So look back up here. Some of you, there is shame that you feel, guilt, rejection. I'm never gonna be good enough, a good enough Christian, good enough person, good enough dad, a good enough wife, a good enough friend, and therefore God is disappointed in me or God is upset with me. And if you believe that, you will live that. So how do you fix that? How do you change that perception? How do I change God's countenance towards me that when he looks at me, as the Bible says, he sings over me, Zephaniah 3:17. That his face shines upon you and he smiles at you. And you're sitting there going, I'm just so bad and dirty and guilty and shame. You see, there's a difference between conviction and guilt. God will never guilt you to repentance. How do I know the difference between conviction and guilt? Guilt makes me wanna go run and hide in shame. Eve, Adam, and they hid themselves and covered themselves up because they felt guilty, they felt dirty, they felt shame. That's what guilt does. Guilt says, uh, yeah, I messed up and I don't want nobody to know about it and hopefully that uh, uh, I'll just kind of maybe live and it kind of go away. And you realize 30 years later, it don't go away. That's what the devil will lie to you. But conviction leads me to 
kindness. It's His kindness that leads me to repentance. That comes before God and says, God, I've blown it. God, I've messed up. I don't care what people think. I don't care who knows this, but I'm asking you to forgive me. That's conviction. So how do I get God's face to shine upon you? How do I get God's face to look at you and smile and say, you're my daughter and I approve of you. But God, you don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've tried. I do, it doesn't matter. I, I take your sins and I'll throw them as far as the east is to the west to remember no more. You are my daughter. Great is your word, but I'm damaged goods. No man will ever want me. You don't know what I've done. You don't think I've tried. You are my daughter. Come here. Or you're the guy. I, you don't understand. I've been strung out on drugs and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I keep failing. I keep relapsing. I keep failing. I've destroyed my family. My kids don't respect me my wife has left me God there's no way you can use me and God's like come here my son we can start over I can heal you but I don't feel like it how do I get God's face to shine upon me with with his countenance to be smiling towards me you know what the antidote is it's very simple it's Jesus it's Jesus the moment I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, God takes me out from being an enemy, a foreigner, and places me in his family. Praise God, he doesn't give us a contract. He makes a covenant with us. Seals it with his blood. There's nothing I can ever do to break that contract. There's nothing I can. <laughs> There's nothing I can ever do to separate me from his love. There's nothing I can ever do to undo what Jesus has done for me on the cross. There's nothing I could ever do to unshame that, to guilt that, to move that, to break that, to blot my name out of the book of life. I was once an enemy and far off, but I've been brought near by his blood. And if I understand that truth, if I grasp that truth, if I receive that truth, then guess what? His face shines upon me. I'm his son. And when he sees me, guess what he sees? Not my sin, not my shame. He sees Jesus. And because he sees Jesus, all my guilt, all my shame, everything has been blotted out. That's why every Sunday I beg you, give your life to Jesus. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Go from death to life, from enemy to being in the family of God. And then his face will shine upon you. Even when you blow it, he smiles at you. You know, even when your kids are so little, they blow it. You don't take them and hurt them. And you say, come here, honey, it's okay. I know you didn't mean to do it. Come on, daddy's got you. Come on, I'll help you and I'll fix that boo-boo and I'll take care of the mess you made. It's so you are my child. That's not fair. That's called grace. And the reason why we are afraid of what people think about us is because we do not understand His grace. For if we will receive His grace, grasp His grace, we will see His face shine upon us. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. Paul writes in Colossians 3, 
or you've died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God himself. When you give your life to Jesus, your life is now in Christ, hidden in God himself. And you know why God's pleased with you? Not because you came to church. Not because you dropped a 20 in the bucket. Not because you tried to be a good person today and you didn't say any bad words. You know how and know why God would be pleased with you? Only Jesus. Because you received him as your Lord and Savior. Not your works. Your works are never good enough. And so many of us are people pleasers. We base it on our works. I'm trying to get God's approval by how I work. So I show up. So I read my Bible. So I pray. Those are great things. I'll be generous. I'll serve. Those are great things. But that's not what wins God's approval. It's his son, Jesus, and only Jesus. So if you're here today, if you're watching online, why don't you give your life to Jesus and cross from death to life? Well, how do I do that? Well, let's look what the truth says. The truth says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe that in your heart, you will be saved. You'll be, be, you'll be moved from a foreigner to being part of the family. And if that's you today, why don't you just cry out to the Lord? Saying a prayer is not what saves you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And right now your heart can declare Jesus as Lord. And if that's you, here's what you just need to say this with me. To say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I repent of my sins. And I turn to you. Thank you for forgiving me. Now help me build my life on you. Help me live for you. Help me to rest in knowing what you believe about me. And if that's you, just in a moment, our host is gonna come out, it's gonna let us know. We just wanna know so we can rejoice with you. We have a team in the next step area. They wanna help you. If you're watching online, you'll be able to text the number and just let us know, hey, just let, today we gave my life to Jesus. We wanna celebrate. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask us to stand and bow our heads. I'm gonna pray. And we're gonna leave today. Focus on what are we gonna build our life on? We're gonna build our life on what other people think about us or we're gonna build our life on what God says about us. Are we gonna build our life on our works or we're gonna build our life on his grace? So Father, we thank you so much for your love, your blessings that you give us every day. We don't deserve it, we can't earn it, but because of your grace, you bestow it upon us. Father, your mercy brought us here today to begin to understand that we're gonna build our life on your word. And so God, thank you for saving people today. Thank you for setting people free today. Thank you for helping inspiring people today to realize that they don't have to live to please other people. They can live for you. For it's in your name I ask and pray. Amen.